you found it, the Japan Wood Podcast, coming at you from the Shinjuku studio from Tokyo, Japan. It's your host, Matt Bigelow. And today we have a co-host coming in all the way from Tachikawa. We got uh, 120, was born in Brunswick, Georgia. From an early age, his grandmother encouraged him to participate in the arts, such as acting and poetry and music. But upon meeting his father for the first time at the age of 10, he found a love for vocal performance, particular with hip-hop music. He then came to Japan as a Marine, but continued to grow his skills as a vocal performer. After finishing his enlistment, he moved to Tokyo to obtain a college degree. During his time there, he created a group by the name of Lokyo and toured various venues throughout Japan doing musical performances. In the present day, he's found a unique sound with his music and seeks to rebrand himself with his style in mind, with this style in mind. Music from 120 is generally profanity and vulgarity free in an attempt to promote a positive message to young listeners. Uh, and you can find more music by 120 on Spotify as well as uh, his music videos on YouTube. We'll, we'll get into his marine and his music history, maybe he was one of those guys that jumped out of a helicopter into the ocean at night with nothing but a, a knife in his, in his teeth and a plan seared into his memory to establish some sort of covert operation in Bulgaria or some place like uh, Southeast Asia, some Indo-Pacific town you'd never heard of before. Welcome to the show, 120. Hi, wow, that was hilarious, and none of those things happened. Uh, a plan seared into my mind to be fixing Xboxes while everyone was, uh, yeah. Thank you for having me on the show, Matt. So you were, you were fixing Xboxes as a Marine? Uh, we weren't supposed to be, but uh, I definitely spent a lot of time uh, fiddling around with things. So uh, yeah, I was a radio tech. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you were tech. jumping into the oceans with radios? God, no. God, no, no. I was safely uh, inside of a metal box. The gray, the gray metal box. That's right. That's right. That's where all the gray matter lives. All right. Well, um, we're going to begin. This is the Japan What podcast. Okay. So we're going to do some Japan stuff first. And I like to start off sometimes because I like to get into the weeds and go real deep. Uh, and I like to kind of start off, start off real nice and sweet. Hmm. You know what I mean? I like it. So this is a new product. Huh. And I got this from japantoday.com or .co.jp. I can't remember it. It's a new blue Mount Fuji beer. And traditional cut glass mm. lets you pour a snow-covered Fuji. Nice. So this is a Fujiyama. Fujiyama Fujisan blue beer. And it comes with a glass. And the glass itself doesn't look like Mount Fuji. But when you pour the beer into it, it kind of arcs off the sides and slopes up to the top yeah and then yeah. when the foam builds up it looks like the peak on mount fuji you're making my mouth water isn't it but it's a blue beer it's a, it just the just fact like that your it's hair. blue you know just the fact that it's blue makes me want it isn't that weird would you try a blue beer hell yeah i'd try a blue beer yeah yeah oh yeah man anything weird colored you know blue that's that's the selling point right there for me i like blue drinks oh really yeah i'm weird well this might be for you it is yeah i know a lot of people that would go blue beer you know can i have some I don't have any. It goes on sale uh, ah. prob probably for this Halloween season or something like that. I'll be first And you in can line. get the commemorative glass. They're not even a sponsor. I'm trying to get sponsors. Can right, you tell? right, right. I mean, this, is, this would be a good one, man, because my, my head is, is, is slightly blue. Yeah. Uh, all right. So um, let's just, uh, before going into the, a little bit more, uh, let's get into the, 
I gave you a self-introduction, hmm. but what about your self-introduction? What's uh, going on? Now? You know, for, for my self-introduction, I would just say that I'm, um, I feel incredibly fortunate to be here in Japan. I, uh, this is where I basically grew up as an adult. I turned into an adult in Japan. I turned 20 years old in Japan. I had, I got wasted for the first time in Japan. You know, I, uh, I had, I got my first long-term girlfriend in Japan. I, Japan was my first duty station. I mean, so many things happened uh, here in Japan. This is where my network is, and this is the place that's allowed me to be able to pursue what I want to do in life. So um, as an artist out here, it's my, my uh, mission to inspire other people to you know want to come and travel, to leave their hometowns, and to try something different. Um, that's, that's my self-introduction. I'm a guy, you know, living life on the edge in Asia. Yeah, I hear you. I really do. Um, so this is kind of my, my idea of a thought and um, my idea of a thought. I see. I see my my idea of a thought. <laughs> and uh, I recently had a son mm. three weeks ago. He turned three weeks today. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, just like you, I, when I say living life on the edge, I, I don't mean like I'm I'm slamming Red Bulls and, and jumping right. off the sides of cliffs no, with those no, no, squirrel no, no, suits. No, no. Do you know what I mean? No, but what I mean by life on the edge, maybe you feel this too. It's like you're not a normie, uh, you know. Right. We're, we're not. Right. We're not. We're not memeing necessarily, or we're not. Right. We're not, you know, getting Pepe tattoos on, right, our, right, on, on right. our nut sacks or whatever. I mean, but, I might, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. But but life on the edge just means like maybe not. You're not in the mainstream. Uh, not going home and watching uh, Seinfeld. Or right, whatever right. You want, right. In our profession, I think it's. It, I think there's always a fire to put out. But I think as you get better at putting those fires out, you know, you become a professional, as they say. Yeah, but what I realized is, so I don't really go into um, institutions. Mm. Generally speaking, my adult life has been more uh, playing music at clubs, right, uh, right, right, working in the right. private sector, right, and right. private sectors are kind of based on building up from an idea, mm, and so mm. each private sector you kind of go into, like I'm working at a daily paper right now, and right, in the right, past right. I worked at SoftBank, which is a, a telecommunications network that was mm. built from scratch by some guy who just said, oh, I'm going to get it all, you know? Right. Um, and it's very different from institutions. Mm, mm. So when I had a son and I had to go pick up my wife and son from the hospital, I hadn't been in a hospital in 10, 20 years. My, wow. my parents worked in a hospital, but that's when I was a teenager. Right. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. They were. Yeah. All right. So what I realized is that the hospital basically looks like a school. Right. And a school looks like a university in many right. ways. And right. So many people are basically institutionalized i agree they they grow up they grow up in a school mm. then they go to a university mm. the hallways and the printers mm. and the doors are all kind of the same right right and right. so many people go into places like hospitals right, or right. Uh, bureaucracies and right. it's kind of all the same where you have these hallways that are built by the government with doors that are kind of heavy and yeah. the it's all this repetitious type of thing looks like a prison yeah but these are i suddenly after picking up my son i could understand pop music because all of these people are streamlined into the normality of society mm -hmm. 
And when they get off work, they go home mm. and they watch TV dramas right. about working. Right, right. Or right. about school. I never and, noticed that. And then their ideas of family conflict might come from, and resolution might come from TV. Mm. And some people might try to reenact that mm. at home. Mm. I agree. I agree. And so there's like this cyclical thing where people would take their home to their work right and then their work goes back to home and then they entertain themselves at home right based on what they've seen at work it's not really because work is mostly pretty boring right you're just kind of going from room thing. to room meeting right, to right. meeting you're filling Rinse out form. Repeat, you know but the 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 dramas on tv kind of allow people to see who they might want to be mm, mm. so but when you're living life quote unquote on the edge we're always engaged in like freak town, you know. This is always and, something weird going. Yeah, yeah. And, but for those people, they don't. They it doesn't occur that they would go and be a freak one day of the week. Ninety nine percent of the time, there right. are freaks in there. Right, right. But they're not really part of the force majeure. Mm, I agree. I so agree. that's kind of what I realized is that society is basically needs normies to operate, mm. and if the normies aren't operating. We can't exist as freaks. That's very true. That's a that's a definitely a, a, a way to look at it. My wife actually uh, came from a, you know partially from a corporate sector. She worked in a you know startup companies and things like that. And I mean even even working in a startup is not the norm. But you know just this daily grind of of going and and having to to do what she does allowed me to be able to to make it to where I am now, and it allowed me to have it allowed me to meet you. It allowed me to, to have these opportunities because there's someone there grinding. There's someone there grinding the cogs behind the wheel that's moving. Yeah. So, it, it, so it, I, I never had that kind of way of thinking because mm. I, I, when you get into like to your own freak bubble, right? You kind of think yeah, everybody's a freak, maybe. Yeah. But then when you when you when you when you're lodged into you know by the fate of having a child or some life event. Right, right. You're suddenly plummeted into this whole other world, and it's not a world of freaks. Mm. It's a world of schedules. It's a world of format, and it's a world of rooms with protocols and edicts and hierarchical strategies that everybody accepts as they are and benefits from them by operating within their segment. It's it's getting it's getting to be more like that the further I climb up within the industry that I'm in. You know, I'm a photography assistant, and uh, it's it's getting to be it's more and more necessary that I come in looking a certain way. It's it's more and more necessary that I do the isatsu and I do the, you know, thank everybody and you know we stay until eight nine o'clock even if a shoot finishes at seven. We're there bowing and and showing people their respect and doing it the proper way. Yeah, I mean at least I'm doing something I love. Yeah, it, it's always that thing. Uh, the thing that you love, because I love music, mm, mm. but it's not like I love the music industry. <sighs> we, can have, right? we could have a whole hour I, conversation about that. When I look at, um, <laughs> basically, I'm trying to get traffic only to my website. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about likes and Twitter and yeah. social media so yeah. much. I put it out there, and if it comes to my website, I'm happy. Mm. But I'm kind of like... Um, a little bit tired of trying to get 20, 30 likes that never really go anywhere. Yeah. But when I can drive that to my website, even if I post a song and it only gets 100 views on my website, it's still a lot. I can retain that mm -hmm. rather than it just 
flowing into the the feeds of the social media sphere. It's a hundred people that are engaged. Yeah. And, and that's I think that's worth a lot more, you know. And when I look at uh, Spotify and I see somebody like uh, Pharrell who had the happy song. Yeah. He got like, like 790 billion views. Billion views on there. And, and I'm he, like, he, how? he got the pocket money for it. Yeah. Like yeah. He, yeah. But the, the CEOs of Spotify are worth $2.5 billion. Right. So it's like this thing where we engage with the thing we love and somebody sees our emotional value mm. and profits from it. That's that's and 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 you've just explained the music business. So yeah, that's that's what it's it all is about, right now. It's all about that. Do you think it's changed uh, from from what you know from what the goal used to be as a musician? Yeah, I, yeah, a good point. Um, the medium is completely different, mm. and I, I I've thought about this a lot because I had a tape collection, I had a CD collection, mm. I went back and developed a record collection because wow. in Tokyo we got tons of great record shops. Mm-hmm. Um, but this idea of opening your phone and having all of the music delivered to you based on an algorithm, right? It may, makes you a, a passive audience member more so than ever before yeah but you can still get great music that way but it's like 9.99 a month for 80 billion songs right rather than you know taking 50 bucks and king i got 50 bucks right right. i'm gonna go buy some random shit at the cd store if it's good you know (coughs) all of that stuff Um, so the medium has completely changed and more and more people are engaged in this new medium of automatic feed on your phone. Like, mm. um, I, I don't really do Spotify, but I was right. just on Spotify uh, last night and some few days ago, just looking around, seeing what it's like. And it's like, I'm, I'm blown away by it, to be honest, because you, you you pop it up. And if, if you like um, music brand or, or, or A, B, C, D, or E, it's going to be there and it's going to be high definition video. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it looks great. You know, it tells you what your friends are listening to. It tells you what people close to you are listening to, like people that you know, it, just people that you might have said, hey, follow me on Spotify. And and then you look and it tells you they're listening to this. And and it makes me think, well, the company is looking at this data too. That's usable data. Big data. It's, it's insane. And that's where the value is created. So that's kind of why I just say, yeah, okay, I could. Why would I empower a $2.5 billion person mm-hmm. so that I can get a few thousand views and right. make no money from it? Right, right. That's 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 you're 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 putting down some heavy facts now. They're gonna bust in the door and yeah, <laughs> Spotify police. Yeah, they're gonna come and get you, man. But it, it's amazing technology, and yeah. and yeah, the fact that it's just there it blows my mind. It really does. So the medium is completely different. It's gone from more of like a, an active collectors mm. making a significant amount of the market, right? Um, and to algorithms, and there's no top forty. There's no DJ. Right, right. It's just some Spotify playlist that gets a huge amount of things. And if you get on it, then you're then you're it. Then you're it. Mm. Um I do like some of the things that are coming out on YouTube, such as the dark synth and retro synth uh music. Mm, Did mm. you know about this? No, oh I don't, you know, I, I haven't I'd be lying if I said I particularly knew exactly what you're talking about, but I can kind of get an idea of it. Let's see if I can get some going here. So what do you think about the medium change? I think um, it's been very interesting being in the middle of it because I come from, you know, I, I, I bought my first computer. Well, my parents bought my first computer at the age of like, what, 12, 11 years old. And 
that was when, you know, up until that point, I thought, well, you know, in order to record a song, you need to go to a recording studio. And then that was the first time that I saw that, oh, you know, you can actually have software right here at home. And I had Audacity. And yeah. I had a stocking wrapped around a hanger, you know. And, you know, me and my buddies recorded at the house. And, and you know, that's all it was then. And even at that time, that was a big change from what it used to be, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And then in my lifetime, it switched over to, well, now everything's on these applications. And so, you know, when I learned how to operate this software and do everything on my computer, then it was like, well, now you need to have social media. Now you need to push it on social media. So it's been very interesting, like sitting in the middle of that and seeing how that has affected my efforts to push into the mainstream. Um, Because you'll have, you know, one guy that used to be super popular because he had good music, um, Soldier Boy, right? I think he was the first big YouTube rapper. And so he blew up off of YouTube. But it's nearly impossible to do what he did now because the, the, the paradigm has already shifted. Right, yeah. Nobody's interested in it anymore. Right, no one's really... You're not going to really see another Soldier Boy on on YouTube that's going to blow up. Every now and then, you know, you see a, see a guy blow up because he did this song and, and it was really good and it caught the right waves. But even that, you know, you do more research into it and it's, it's not just that he got lucky or that it just went viral. Well, he put it in the right place. It was put somewhere. There was money put into it. You know, and so I'm finding that out uh, as the years go by the hard way, and um, I think it's I think it's it's the ones that are gonna stand on top right here. I, I don't think anyone's gonna really. You're not gonna see any really super long term um, musicians other than the big guys. It's gonna be. It's much harder, I think, to get into the music industry. It's harder than ever, right? Yeah, now. yeah. It's easier than ever, but it's also harder than ever. I'm not. I'm not a hip hop fan. Right. So I, I, I actually. I. I love some hip hop, but right. I'm not like a hip hop. I don't. I'm not like. I'm not walking around with hip hop in my head. Right. Right. Ninety five percent of the time, but I know who Fifty Cent is. But I don't know. I, sometimes I hear like this new rapper guy with a YouTube video has like 150 million views. Right. right. From two like years ago, I, I like, know. Where did this guy come? Yeah, from? Yeah, and why does he have so many face tattoos? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Man, <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm blown away by this. So I feel kind of old. You know, but listening and seeing. But you're this. a young guy, right? Like, I'm, well, I'm 30, man. I'm 40. Well, you're a young guy. Yeah. Well, no, because 40 is not young, no matter how, which way you cut it. But 30 is still. Yeah, you're like you're you're maybe you realize that being a millennial ain't all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we thought we were the shit, huh? Man, <laughs> here's that YouTube Y2K. stuff I was talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is synthwave. This is a live channel, and it's just this type of music. Man, I play this kind of shit at my photo shoots. It's like uh, it's like uh, it's like uh, city pop. Yeah. It's like city pop. I, we literally, this is like what's, this is it right now. That's what, what everyone's trying to make. I want that. I want that. Who's this, who's this by? Oh, uh, this is just, this is a live, this is a live YouTube channel. Oh, this YouTube is live channel. stream. This is it's like called the study Synthwave and children. Retrowave, retroelectric live stream. Um, there's only about 600 people watching right now, hmm. but I love these YouTube channels because it features like a 8-bit or 16-bit kind of very basic animation graphic. This one's kind of a a, a, a police guy who's a plainclothes police. And Is he's it got an his, anime character? He's got his... I'm not sure. He's got his feet up on the desk and he's smoking on a smoke break. And this is kind of what he's chilling out to. Thank you. 
see his foot's going. A little smoke going. What what is that? That's this this. What I, I what do it when I'm rewriting because uh, I'm a writer at, at work and I put this stuff on. It has it's like the beat is is not complex. Right. What, one thing that, that blows my mind these days is there's so many overtrained musicians and right. they all have to be doing Man. the most complex shit Man. at the same time. But this stuff, it's just groove and the beat is always just like, you know, it's something simple. Little synth in the back. Yeah, and that's all it is. And you just, you can focus in, but it's not like um, 75 uh, graduate students trying to play right. eight second notes in a seven, eight It's time a guy signature. in a, in a, in a, it's a, a sweaty guy in a corner with a MacBook, you know, on, yeah. on GarageBand, you know? Yeah. That's, that's coming back right now, man, actually. Oh, this is big. It's as huge. soon as, as soon as you played that, like, that's literally the stuff, you know, it's the, like the study and chill. I know you've seen the study and chill beats with the girl, the headphones. Yeah, yeah, study yeah. and chill beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, used to play the, that as yeah, well yeah. at SoftBank. Dude, people... that's why we play at work, you know? Yeah. We're at work and the models are modeling, you know, we just kind of, Throw that on, and, and I usually play my shit. But, you know, yeah. also with that, you know, when they want to sh- switch it up, and we're just playing that in the background, and lo-fi music is is where it's at right now, man. Uh, it's it's this, and so we're talking about medium changing, and I'm like, overall thinking it's not so hot. But because of this medium change, it's making this retro synth wave uh, a style that, that sounds like all of the... 1980s movies, parts of songs that were never used and right. dropped onto the floor were just right, assembled right. and put together and put onto a YouTube stream. That would have never happened before without this medium change. No, no, I wouldn't have. So it's it's crazy. At one time, I can easily look at one side of the coin and 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 like look at all the live music and and how social media often makes people want to be liked. So instead mm. of like making like cool ass punk rock vid, punk rock posters that you would put up on telephone poles in the right. late 90s, early 2000s, right. and it would be like kind of badass and cool. Now it's like punk rockers on Facebook going like, come to our show, guys. We're really nice. We promise. Yeah, <laughs> come yeah. out and support the community. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it kind of douchifies everything. Yeah, man. You, it's all you can do. You know, you got to, you, you got to, hey, man, you know, make sure you reshare my shit. You know, it's. Yeah, that's the, that's the sucky part about it, you know? But with this uh, dark synthwave stuff, it's anonymous in its own right, and it has this image on it that you would never see before but associate right. with something else, and you can kind of fall into it without having to participate in the whole yeah. share culture. That I like way. the chat on there, too. You can just kind of talk to people on there. Yeah. People usually just spam random stuff on there, but, you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you, I like that. I like that. And you don't associate it with, like, when I look at the study in, in Chill Beats thing, I don't, I don't. I don't even know who like whose channel that is. I don't associate it with anyone. It's just, it's just the channel to go to if yeah. you want to. And it's live. It's consistent. Yeah. It's not going to be some R and B singer yeah. singing eighty nine notes and seven octaves just suddenly. Cut an, I play chess with my wife, and I just cut on steady, steady, and chill beats. Yeah, you should play that. You play chess. It's nice. Yeah, it's relaxing. It's good. So, it's a new thing. So there's that's the form of the medium. All right. So we got off on a tangent there, which is great. Uh, we're going to, okay. So you have a deportation story, I believe. Yes. So before we do that, we're going to play one of your songs. Okay. But before we do that, where can people find you? You can find me on uh, Instagram. I'm 12360. You spell out the whole 120 and then 360. Uh, you find me on Twitter, 120 underscore. You can find me on Spotify. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Reddit, man. Find me on Black Planet. 
I'm on everything. Just look me up. I'll be there. You're on World Star. No, I'm not on World Star because I'm I'm not an idiot. But um, I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere else, man. I'm on Facebook, all that stuff. All right. Yeah, just check me out. And uh, this podcast is available at MatthewPMBigelow.com. We got podcasts. We got music there. Make sure to check it out. We also have a Facebook page. But uh, like I said, just go on to the website itself and give us some support. Um, this podcast is available on most podcast catchers or players. Uh, we've been recently added to Amazon and Google. So we're available for you there. But we're also just where, where you would ever find it. So make sure to tune in to the podcast at MatthewPMBigelow.com. So let's take a look at your song. What is this song? Set it up before I play it. It's called Rocks. Uh, it's actually a, a beat that I produced maybe, oh my God, like six years ago. And um, I, I met this guy named Kimchi. Uh, and, and he was like, he, he messed with the song a little bit. And uh, we recorded it. And so what the song talks about is basically how, uh, you know, every artist, rapper I see, you know, everyone's so focused on having the big fancy rings and the and the chains and the necklaces. And you, and you can see I came in here. I don't have any of that. Um, I don't, I'll probably buy it if I get like stupid rich. But until that point, you know, I don't believe in investing in those things. I believe in investing in yourself and investing in your craft, property, stock. You know, things like that. Things that when you're old, you don't have to worry about being by yourself. Uh, you can take care of yourself. So, yeah, that's what Rocks is. It's- All right, we'll come. We're going to play this live. I'll do my best to keep my mouth shut. And I have a couple of questions for you after the road. After the, after Sounds the, good. Yeah. 
All right, now it's rocks by one twenty. Thank you. You're more than welcome, so, sir. Nice. It has that um, uh, the busy hi hat. It's a uh, it's a parody. Do you like that? That's the that's the that's the trap mix, man. That's the trap sound. I did that with uh, Reason. Reason actually. Oh yeah. These are Reason. Yeah. I uh, haven't really jumped on Ableton Train yet. I'm on Logic right now. Um, so that song is actually a, a, a satire. The song is actually a satire. The entire video of the song is a satire. Um, the stuff that I come out with in the future won't. I knew be that. Anything like that. <laughs> so uh, it yeah it it felt like it was part of. That vein of music, why? Yeah. So, um, what's so satirical about it? Or do you, you want to keep it a mystery, or what? It's uh, what's satirical about? No, I, I'm 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 um, I'm very open about it. It's uh, it, what's satirical about it is the fact that it's well, as you can tell, it's heavily auto tuned. Yes. Uh, it's uh, but but the first line says, "I don't want to be a robot," and um, that says it all, you know. That, 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 that says, says it that all. says it all, man. I just don't want to be a copy. I don't want to be so. For anyone wondering, I can actually sing my ass off. But um, that was something to say that if this is what you're listening to, great. But that's that's you know that's a that's a it's it's important that you say to me. It's important that you say something. If you have a voice then I think it's important that you say something, no matter how big or small of an artist you are. If you have a voice, you should say something. So that's why I chose this kind of, you know, blip bloppy beat, you know, but the, with this trap mix on it, you know, with those hi-hats and the bass hitting like it is, because it's it's kind of, that's what you guys want to hear. But I'm saying something. Yeah. Um, so you in your intro, you are saying that there's not a lot of vulgarity or profanity. Yeah. Um, and I was, this is just a kind of stab in the dark, yeah. but does that have anything to do with your Marine training? No, no, it didn't have anything to do with that. No, because I was thinking maybe in the Marines, uh, you learn about discipline and you learn about focus and you learn to get beyond uh, low resolution baseline yeah, yeah. Uh, attempts to accomplish something because... You you, you you can walk up to some sort of Marine-style training thing and say, fuck you, you fucking fuck, but that's not yeah. going to get you over the hurdle. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to... So gonna... I was just, that was just what I was just thinking, and I put it out there. Well, I, I, take, I take back what I said. It does have a little bit to do with it. That does have a little bit to do with why I uh, like made that a thing. But at the same time, it, it didn't come from that. You know, I've always been very uh, vocal about like trying to keep prof- it, in particular the N word. I don't like to, you know, I say it amongst my friends. That's just how I was raised. That's just how I grew up. It's what I grew around, grew up around. But I don't think that that's what I should put out. In, I don't need to say that. I don't need to curse. I don't need to use profanity to get my point across. Sure, I, you know, I use profanity when I speak. But that's that's me. That's my personal life. Um, as far as how my music goes, you know, I don't, no one's ever going to be like, man, you should have said fuck more there, you know? And I learned that in the military too. When I went in and I was speaking in front of an officer, I was speaking to my sergeant or something, you know, you can't be cursing. I mean, they might curse at you, but you know, you you can't, you're supposed to be representing America. You're supposed to be an ambassador. You can't go and be vulgar and, and, and use profanity like that, even though we do a lot. 
you know, it gets you much further in the military if you don't. And I find that it gets you much further as a musician as well. In my, in my opinion, I can perform on bass. I can perform that song on bass. I can perform that song in front of kids. I can go to a daycare and perform that song. There's nothing in that song that you wouldn't want your kids to hear. And I try as much as possible to make music like that because that's what I want to let my kids listen to. You know, I wouldn't mind if my kids listen to that. Nice. Uh, sweet. Um, we're going to play my song next. This Dude. is a song that I did. I did the drums. I did the guitars. I did yeah. the vocals. I recorded yeah. it and I produced it. Wow. And I edited it. Uh, this is called Borneo. And uh, I released it on my website a couple months ago. I haven't huh. done it on the podcast. So. What, is, what does Borneo mean? Is it, Borneo is, is an island in the South Pacific or the Southeast Pacific. It's part of Indonesia okay. and uh, Malaysia. Right, they both right. have a different name for it depending on the region where it's from. Okay. Uh, and it's just like this big island. It's always fascinated me because hmm. I'm from an island in Canada, from Vancouver Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I look at big islands and I go, what's going on there? And right, I, right. So this is Borneo. All right, let's hear it. Chickens, pecking in the gardens, 
is on a mission. Nuclear co-vision. To stupefy the minds that make all of our scientific decisions. I got a macro lens on my camera. I'm gonna bode the Joshi. I can ride tree and car, so set me up a glass of whiskey. I got a macro lens on my camera. Macro lens on my camera. Macro lens on my camera. I'm on the boat. some words about this all right let's hear it yeah Man, this is first off you know i'm a photographer yeah so this i super duper appreciate the macro lens on my camera uh, i yeah. love the timing switch ups <laughs> this is cool, some stuff surprised me you know i was bobbing my head and you were like no i like that i like that very surprising there um and i like it was funny man it's funny man thanks, i really thanks. really like that yeah. it's it's uh I, I don't know like how you meant it to be but that how i interpret it it's really funny it gives me like you know like Beach Boys vibes or uh, even like early Maroon Five vibes. Yeah. Like, but really early, like in the beginning, I was like, okay, this is uh, you know, like, they're oh. really gritty, man. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, when I wrote that song, yeah. the entire time I was going, this is a ridiculous song. This is this is a this is a weird weird song. Oh, it's completely know? ridiculous. And but I love it. I yeah, love that the, kind of the shit. The more I put into it, I was like, "All right, we're going to ridiculous town." You got to go there. You got to you got to go there. You got to go there. You got to go there. Yeah. But I, I did the drums. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. It. I played all those drums. I recorded it all. Yeah, that's I, right. You did the you did all the instrumentation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody else touched that song except nah. me from writing it, recording it, producing it, wow. and everything else. Yeah. That's something that's something, man. I'm I'm envious of that because it takes a long dude, it takes fucking a time yeah, and yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To get, get it microphones to, and recording equipment. All right. To shit. get it to sound good and yeah. to get and, and to get the vocals to sound good, to get everything to match and meld together. It's not like you can drag and drop it on a computer, no, man. No, not at all. So you did this like all analog. Yeah. 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 No yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, did, yeah. did that? Oh, I, I did um, the basing using logic and musical type. Yeah. But that's it. Everything else. Man, was... you use musical type, man. That's impressive. That's impressive. Oh, I love musical type. That's impressive. That's I love musical impressive, type. Man. I just put on my computer and I have musical type sometimes. Yeah, just, yeah. You like, gotta... come up with stuff. I'm like, oh, musical typing. On the train, man. You, Man, the, uh, I got a macro lens on my camera. That's the single reason right now why I'm absolutely in love with that song, to oh, be honest. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't start listening to hip hop until I was 10 years old. Mm. Before then, I listened to like Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody stuff like that, you know, and so this this is like, this is like a, this tickles the childhood, you know, yeah. interest of mine. So yeah, this yeah, is yeah. really actually what I love right about macro out, lenses yeah. is that it makes little things small, so you can go in and take like a tiny little yeah. fragment of a of a of a segment of something and blow it up onto a huge canvas print. Right, right. And you make something that was really small, super huge. And it, and it and it stretches the perspective as well. Yeah, it makes it a. Uh, it's it's not gonna look the way it looks if you pull it up on your phone, man. Yeah. All right. Thank you for liking the song. Yeah, yeah. So I love the song. How did you get deported? All right. Okay. We're in this now. Okay. So yeah. um, 
I was in college, you know, and I uh, and I went to a college out here in Shinjuku. Actually, maybe Kabukicho College. Yeah, that's right. Training yeah. on how to be shady like a pro. Yeah. <laughs> I um actually rode through Kabukicho every every day on my skateboard, mm. uh, going going uh, to school. It's about ten minutes away from here, and um you know I was going to school. And up until that point, you know, we talked about being institutionalized. So I'd been institutionalized for so long by then, you know, it was school in the night. You know, I did like summer enrichment programs. I went, you know, my grandma wanted me to pursue higher learning and things like that. So I did summer programs. I did school and then summer programs. Again, this went on for so long. And then I went to college afterwards. I failed miserably at that. Then I went to the military but I picked a job where I needed to do a year of schooling, so I had a five-year contract as opposed to a, a four-year contract. And then afterwards, you know, it's off to college. So, you know, it's like, you know, God knows how many years being institutionalized. And, and at this point, you know, I was at my wit's end, man. And, um, and I said, you know, if I want to graduate school, then I'm going to have to stick around and just kind of see what happens. So I stayed, and I got my degree. And I went to immigrations, and I was promptly told to leave the country within about, uh, what was it? They gave me 10 days to leave the country. Uh, Why? Because I had overstayed, even though I told them, you know, about my situation with school and everything. Because, I mean, it's not a terrible, I've, I, when I was in the immigrations off deportation office, I saw people there for much worse reasons. Man, they they uh they it's a they really... don't they don't screw around in Japan with like this type of thing. Man, they were yelling at people in there. Yeah, they you, they were yelling yeah, at people. If, if if you're if you're in the side of the lines, right, you're right. totally fine. You step one inch out of the line. Oh man, it's bad news bears. And you yeah, bad news bears. You, you got to get out. Like well, you're not welcome here. Yeah, you know. So what was the surprising thing to me was that there was such blatant. Honestly, racism, man, discrimination, it was so blatant there. There was a literally a, like Probably a... Probably more along the lines of disrespect that led to racism because Japan's a respectful society. So yeah, to yeah. disrespect you would be to kind of push towards... Yeah, 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 yeah I guess you could... Yeah, it's it's and, it's really blatant disrespect. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. Um, you know, there was one lady there. I'm not trying to be a bootlicker for the Japanese. No, 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 not at all, man. Some I think people there's... accused me that on Facebook a few months ago. Well, Japanese people don't do th- things for nothing. It was a gaijin. Yeah, well, one of those liberal types. Shogunaitis. <laughs> no, they uh, no. There's literally a lady in there, man, and the guy was yelling at her. He's like, "You don't have sex with your husband," in really bad English, and um. And, you know, this lady was just in tears, and he was like, you know, you're a liar. You know, he was just yelling at this lady, man. And then I came up, and he was like, ah, I know, Mr. Nantoka. And I was like, oh, my God, like, you're being, like, calling me Mr., which was great, because that was a little role reversal there. But, um, you know, he, he was just being so polite. And then to, like, this Chinese lady, you know, he was just not having it, man. And it was just grilling this lady. And... It was at that moment I thought, okay, you know, from now on, I'm definitely going to have my paperwork in order with so that. So did you have to leave? You left. No, I had, actually, they uh, they they uh, made me, I had to purchase a ticket back home. And I had to show up uh, the next Monday back at the immigration's office with a one-way ticket back home. Um, but because, you know, I took my lumps, I wanted to fight the case. But apparently, like, if you get 
if you're going to get deported, here's a, a tip tip for anyone who's overstayed their visa. If you're going to get deported, then the only way you're going to be able to fight that is if you're probably about to get married to a Japanese national or a permanent resident, if you have a baby on the way, or if you're there for refugee reasons. Um, other than that, I think there's one or two other reasons, but there's that level of seriousness that you need to, to say, okay, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel that I need to be deported. Otherwise, they're going to send you away. And uh, there's also a great catch about it, right? If you fight it and you lose, then you're really screwed because you'll be deported for five years. Right. And you've technically lost. And this is like the the samurai culture, yeah. right? Yeah. Where like Japanese is oh, kind man. of a strict I, I think place. That's, I think that's when you exactly win, what it is. You are the winner. Right. When you lose, you're you the are the loser. There's man. no you're conciliatory the... prize. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Actually, your conciliatory prize is usually kind of an insult. Like right. uh, the, the first prize is like the giant cup. Right. And then the second right. prize is, is like a thimble. Right. Right. Like it's just, just to contrast middle finger to the you know yeah 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 no i so i just took my lumps man you know i i called uh my my now so where did you take your lumps uh i just uh like right on the head man right on the forehead so everyone could see because but it wasn't bad i only had to leave for a year and i was like okay i i get it i overstayed so you were kind of on the verge of uh marrying i guess was that the thing was uh, the Okay. No. All right. So you had to leave no. for a year, and then yeah. what was the reason that they let you back in? Immigrations guy really liked exile. Immigrations guy, what? The immigrations guy, he really, really liked exile. One of the gifts of being a rapper is having a silver tongue, and in Japanese, you know, I kind of just, I, I've done a few collaborations with these, uh, with uh, some some people here, and so I just kind of dropped a few names. Hey, you. You know this guy? Oh, you know that song? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 me on that song. And then he's like, oh, oh, really? And then he runs in the back, and then you know, and then he's like, all right, yeah, you can, okay, you're good, you can come back in. Wow. But I think every every point uh, after that, I came back in the country. They wanted to question me, and at one point, they even brought my wife and I both in a room, and they and, and you know, a guy was in there giving us a stink eye. He's like, you know, why were you deported? And I was like, no, 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 I was. I was in college, man, and I, I wanted to get my degree. And then, and usually after that, they're like, "Okay," but um, then, you know, now I have my visa, so I don't, I don't have those problems. But definitely, uh, the first three or four times I tried to come back into the country, it was not fun. Um, so yeah, don't get deported, kids. Don't get deported. It's not a fun experience. Well, yeah, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Usually, when I think hear about deported, um, it's it. It's usually for like something a lot harsher. So I was wondering yeah. how you would manage to get deported and then got be able to come back in. But I guess if you're like you're a college student, I remember being in college and not understanding yeah. how the real world worked. And, yeah, yeah, and all yeah, those things. Yeah. And you're just like, whatever, it's ten days. Yeah, you know, whatever. You whatever, know, I'll be fine. It's ten days. I'll get it. Whatever. Ten days. Who who cares about ten days? But Man. oh no, actually, people care about ten days. Yeah, people care. That's what. You oh no, I always stay for three months. Three months. Yeah, yeah, I overstayed for three months, and three at three months, they're like, you know, hey, no, that's no. They, you know, the <laughs> yeah. guy was like, I literally went and I, I was going to submit for my business visa because I was under the impression that you have so you do so what it is you do have a certain period after your student visa runs out in order to look for jobs, right? But you have to actually go to immigrations and say, hey, I graduated, can I can I get my period? So my visa expired, you know, like around. Like it had already expired three months before that, and I was just, you know, I got to stick it out because if, if I didn't get my degree in, I, I probably never was going to get it um, because I was just sick of school, sick of studying, and um, 
so you know, I, I I got to immigration, so I was ready to apply for my uh, work visa, and I kind of just, and it's my fault for not checking the facts. Um, and so I went and I applied for a business visa, and the guy saw he took one look at my documents. He was like, you know, go upstairs to six B, and I was like, oh okay. So like, you know, I didn't know anything. Six B sounds like a cool room, right? I can't sounds, wait to go there. Never been on that floor of immigration oh, before, you know. Pretty high. Up. I go in Look there, at me. man. There's literally like red lights. There's like a red light in the middle, and there's like you know just a red beam of light across it. I cannot make this shit up. There's a like red beam of light, and there's just a door to just this deportation on it. And I was like, oh my god, Whoa. like this is yeah. It was it was it was serious, man. And, and then I walk in and I see there's like African people in there, there's like Filipino people in there, there's like obvious hookers in there like it, it's it's it was it was a bad place to be man and and what made it so weird was because you know japan and america have a good relationship yeah, so you know yeah. to me they were like oh oh so you mister and then like to the everyone else and then they were like you know really rude and i was like man you know it, it, it was a very weird experience you know i definitely don't want to go back there <laughs> don't definitely do not want to go yeah i know there, I, i've heard us other uh people having been deported through yeah. the, through acquaintances and things like that and I right just, it really does make me think like man you got to make sure that paperwork is right because i'm not good at paperwork and right, right sometimes right. i lose a document i don't know yeah, it's important yeah. or something like that and then my wife is like that is such an important document I'm like it's yeah just, it looks like every other document it's so I much get. paperwork man yeah so what i do now is i you know because i'm out in tachikawa i uh i go to the immigration's office there because the people there they don't they don't give a shit they're you know they're they're in tachikawa man they they um and like the main office is in tokyo near shinagawa yeah it's like shinagawa. An island and it's like a been, it's like on the edge of this island that's been man-made to a certain extent. And yeah, yeah. They, they kind of funnel all the foreigners. Nobody there. likes to go you there. You can't escape, and you it takes yeah. a long time to get yeah, there. Yeah. But the Tachikawa branch, it, it's like the regional branch. Right. Uh, now we're away. It's Man, where all it's the really people chill. who just have enough motivation to keep their yeah. jobs end up going. It's it's really chill, man. You go there and. Man, I've I've probably been back. You, have you, you you know the visa run thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I went to Korea, came back, and then you know I hadn't got my visa, but I couldn't tell them. Well, it's your fault. I'm waiting. And, you know, I had so I just went to Korea, came back, and um, and they were like, yeah, whatever, and they gave me another the extension on my thing, and finally it got accepted. You know, we came in, and you know, but I think it's a lot more stress free if you're genuinely in the right. And you genuinely have your paperwork together, and you have a job lined up, you have a source of income, or you have a, a supporter or someone. Yeah. Then you can go, and it's much much easier. It's a lot more stress free. You know, you get through the line quickly, and so I think the staff there is able to give you more attention, more one on one attention. You know, they really actually care. You know, I think the people at Shinagawa are pushing papers so much. Yeah. All day. It's you crazy know, how much off. paperwork. Last time I went there, there was like 200 people ahead of me. And yeah. I, I got there at like 10 a.m. Right. And everyone has something important, you know. Yeah. And the guys at the window are just pissed off, you know, and it just depends on how the guy feels. And how many visas they have. Right. Um, so that kind of leads into uh, this next segment. We're, we're going to close out. I had these other ideas. I'm reading this book right now. We can't get to it today, but I'll just mention it in, in brief. COVID-19. Well, I'm glad you got your shit together and you're still in, in the country. I'll, yeah, I'll say yeah. that. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good. Yeah, man. It's, it's and I'm glad a lot that better than like, it used to well, be. Well, I kind of killed somebody, but they right. couldn't prove it. It's right. not some, you know, a super yeah. nightmare. <laughs> We're in a locked room 
in Kabuki Cho. Yeah, yeah. But this yeah. book is called COVID-19, The Great Reset. Right. And this is uh, made by Klaus Schwab, who is an elitist European banker who developed the World uh, Economic Forum, and he's a huge Davos guy. Wow. And he's, wow. This book is released, and it was written in June of 2020 as the pandemic was raging. Yeah, And yeah. this whole book is an, uh, the using COVID-19 as a complete economic reset and developing an entirely new economy uh, through the uh, excuse of COVID-19. That's happening. That's happening. That's what this guy is saying. That's happening right now. And he's saying that we need global surveillance to monitor the situation. AI needs to be everywhere. And it's like this crazy-ass book. We only have about 10 minutes left. We can't really get to it too much. But what I will say before moving on is in the beginning of this book, he says, this is from the book, At the time of the writing, June 2020, the pandemic continues to worsen globally. Many of us are pondering when things will return to normal. The short response is never. Nothing will ever return to the broken sense of normalcy that prevailed prior to the crisis because the coronavirus pandemic marks a fundamental inflection point in our global trajectory. That's the type of language being used by this guy. He's no joke. I agree agree with it. Yeah, but this whole thing that, like... The, our broken sense of normalcy. Yeah. Uh, that's a crazy thing. And he, the whole book is based on like, we need a new economy based on inclusivity yeah. and marketing yeah. Yeah. based on your feelings. And it really is creeping me out, man. Yeah. Universal basic income is kind of a theme there and robotic supply chains and yeah. so on. It's, it blows my mind. I um, keep thinking of humans becoming obsolete. The return of big government. These are like the things that are mentioning it. And it's, it's it's totally true, and um, so. But we're not going to do that. What we are going to do is something called SGOTW. Okay. Do you know about this? SGOTW. It sounds like a sounds like a rap group. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Stupid Gaijin of the week. Wow. So. Um, some people were giving me some flack yeah. with this with this segment. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of made it fair. Uh, because recently there's not as many Westerners moving to Japan yeah. as before. Yeah, when yeah. I came here in 2006, it was like English teachers everywhere. Uh-huh. And there was like more uh, Western-style crime. Right, right. But now so many of the people are coming from uh, Southeast Asia. Mm. And just demographically speaking, those people are going to be creating more crimes. It has nothing to do with racism. But there, it's just it's more of us here. Yeah, well, there's uh, from Southeast Asia. There are many more younger people moving to Japan for three or four year technical intern jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they're criminals, but when you have a certain amount of people, the odds of people in that group committing a crime just become more likely. It's like what's happening with the military in Okinawa. You know, yeah, exactly. They're like, the military is raping everyone. Well, no, there's no, no. just more military. Here. Yeah. Uh, I interviewed a police uh, officer, a translator, Uh uh, about eight or nine years ago, and I asked him about the amount of crime committed by elderly people. And he's just like saying, no, there's just a lot more elderly people. Right. That's why they're committing more crime. And I was like, oh, it's just a percentage. That makes sense. But anyway, some people will hear that and go, they say that Southeast Asian people commit more crimes. They're racist. Yeah, right, right, right. And it's like, no, that's just, yeah. Okay, if you have 12,000 Canadians, I'm Canadian, versus... 500,000 people from the Indo-Chinese Peninsula. Right. Some of them are going to be bad apples. Yeah. But anyway, so to make it fair to appease the uh, uh, people who accuse me of being a racist bootlicker, because you got to (laughs) appease them, right? 
this is called British National Accused of Smuggling Gummy Bears Laced with Ecstasy. Wow. By Tokyo Reporter on October 22nd. That's intense. Saitama Prefectural Police have arrested a male British national for allegedly smuggling candy laced with ecstasy sent through the international mail. On October 4th, Matthew Owens, a fellow Matthew, a 33-year-old childcare worker, allegedly worked with an accomplice in the Netherlands to send 53 bear-shaped gummy candies laced with MDMA. The package arrived at Narita National Airport July 5, my birthday. Why? His name is Matthew. I'm Matthew. They arrived on July 5. Was it you? No. (laughs) He's a resident of Tokorozawa City. I've never been there. I swear. Weighing about 31 grams, the contraband was valued at about uh, 2,000 bucks. It was concealed inside an envelope. Uh, So Owens works at a childcare facility in Tokyo. (laughs) Wow. Of course he does. Of course he does. It's always the ones you... When we compare... Yeah, uh, what you did, yeah. this type of thing. There's obviously a, my God. It's not even the same ballpark. Right? That's it's, this it's is... not even the same sport. If we're gonna go, uh, yeah, uh, uh, referencing Tarantino movies, <laughs> foot massage. Man. Uh, you're a foot massage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a foot massage man. Maybe just the toe. <laughs> Uh, so there we go. So that's the first stupid guy gen of the week. Nice. Don't like, we got stop thinking it's 1995 and you can send drugs in the mail. You can't. These I, I scanners they got in international airports these days are they're, insane. They're what insane, they can man. detect. And they will be like, why does somebody sending gummy bears? We have tons of candy here. You know, people. It's not that they can't. It's not that they can't detect. You know, everything. It's just that they're not looking for. They're not looking for. For what it is that people are afraid of, and I think like you really need to, you really need to be be smarter than that. That that's incredibly stupid, man. Just just go to a different country, just go somewhere else. Go man. and party, yeah. Like uh, um, I'm from British Columbia, Canada. And yeah, marijuana is a way of life over there. Right, but right. I would never bring that to Japan. Right, it's right. Entirely disrespectful. It's not the way of life over here. Yeah, yeah. It, and it, if you do, you're walking around like a like a, like a heroin addict right that's the level right. of criminality right being right it's not worth it here man no. it's not worth it here man the penalty is too high and the reward is too low it's better when you just go into a convenience store and get a couple of beers you know go walk, drink oh, a couple outside. a couple nines will make you think you smoke something <laughs> couple, <laughs> couple nines, nines man, man. Yeah. couple nines man that's gonna be the new slang let's have a couple nines that's the title of the podcast couple, couple nines. nines yeah 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 i like that Uh, All right, we got a bonus SGOTW for today. This will be the final thing. Mm. Ibaraki, stabbing at Thai restaurant leaves four Vietnamese injured. Um, Wow. Do you want to read this? I would love to read that. I'd love to read it, Matt. All right. Ibaraki Prefectural Police launched an investigation after four Vietnamese nationals were hurt in a stabbing in Hokota City early Sunday, reports the Ibaraki Shimbun, October 18th. At around 1.30 a.m., six Vietnamese nationals visited the Hokota police station seeking help. There was some trouble at a restaurant, and a stabbing took place, one of them said. One of the six, four, had wounds to the abdomen, shoulder, and head that will require up to three weeks to heal. According to police, the incident took place at a Thai restaurant in the Kamigama area at 12.45 a.m. The four injured persons, all technical interns, were part of a group of five at the restaurant. The dispute took place with around five persons who spoke a foreign language other than Vietnamese, police said. That's funny. After the incident, the five others who were not acquainted with the Vietnamese fled the scene. Police are seeking their whereabouts. The case is being treated as attempted murder. So they're still out there. They're still out there. Wow. Yeah. And Man. if you have like enough of a population. Uh, like a few months ago, I did one about some, some like three guys from Cameroon or something right, like that right. who were committing like burglaries in cars. It's like if you're three guys from Cameroon in the middle of Tohoku area... You're going to be what? caught. <laughs> it, why? 
they just found a reason to scam shit. But if you are these, uh, if there's enough technical interns there and right. you weren't identified, you might be able to just run back to your dormitory for two you were sleeping. And you weren't time. doing anything. Yeah. And this is between like Thai people, maybe, and Vietnamese yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And like, we don't know about their regional differences. Right. We don't know what's going on. Like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you get drunk or some person does like a slur or something like that in the Thai restaurant, make a call, some other guy comes to kick your ass. Yeah. It could happen. Man. We don't know how that shit works. Like, I don't know how uh, Thai people and Vietnamese people get along or don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, uh, like I was in uh, Korea, man, and there was like a, and I didn't know this until I went there and rode the train, and it was like Japan stole our island. They are lying, and it was like on the on the thing on the train, yeah, and I was like, oh my god, like there. what yeah. is this? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's intense, man. You got to just kind of not say anything if you don't know the cultural differences. So this is a, a couple of years ago, the uh, then Abe administration right. announced that they would bring 500,000 uh, technical interns from Vietnam, uh-huh. Indonesia, uh-huh. Um, Thailand, and things like that into right. Japan where they can get jobs and stuff like that. Right, but right, if you right, don't right. know, you can't just lump all those people together. And, right, you and can't. By all of those people, I just mean from those different countries. Other than Vietnamese. Yeah, you, yeah you so know? that the, the, the people on social media uh, don't call me a bootlicker racist because right. I said those people. No, you can't say anything right today, man. Yeah. You can't say anything right. Um, I'm just saying they're douchebags and I hate them. And yeah. They're really, they're, they're the bottom of the barrel. And yeah. I just like to repeat that from time to time. Right, 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 right. <laughs> As I'm 40 years old now, I'm just like, I got to get away from you. <laughs> yeah. You gotta you gotta surround yourself with. I would positive. rather hang around with attempted Vietnamese murderers than some liberal douchebag on social media getting yeah, angry at everybody. Like it's not more interesting. It's the same guy. It's the same, same guy, guy. Uh, doing the doing the lo-fi mixes. He's sweaty and no, the no, those guys are cool. This is the guy who's <laughs> rolling his eyes, making post-punk music. Uh, yeah, yeah. With it for a show that has eight people come to it. Yeah, yeah. He's got an Instagram with like thirty followers yeah, on it, like me. But I don't do Instagram, so. But uh, it's kind of crazy that yeah that this is happening in places like Ibaraki, you know. Yeah, and yeah. as we kind of move on and, and 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 engage with the future a little bit more, we don't know what's going to happen. And I and I kind of see like Japan moving towards establishing more long term associations with uh, Asian countries, and mm, I really mm. do feel like they're like Japan isn't like the hot spot for people from America or Canada or Europe to move to for a few years anymore. It's I expect to see like less of it and. And a kind of a shift, yeah. Which is why we're going to win. We're going to win this, man. We're going to win this, man. We're in it to win it, man. In it to win it. Uh, so, Christopher, thank you. Yes. Michael, I'm sorry. Why did I call you Christopher? I, that's actually my name in another life, actually. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You're really good. <laughs> you got it, Mr. Bigelow. You got it. All right. Where can people find you? I, um, I'm usually around Shibuya, man. I'm usually in photo shoots. I'm usually uh, I, I'm around central Tokyo. I hang around Rapongi, you know, but mostly you'll see me active on uh, Instagram. I'm, again, it's Instagram, uh, 12360. Uh, anything, uh, if you guys have a Nintendo Switch, please download Ninjala. I'm rapping on a fight scene. That's a dream of mine. So, yeah, check it out. Awesome. And again, you can always check this podcast out at MatthewPandBigelow.com and it's available wherever you get your podcasting needs. You've been listening to the Japan What Podcast. Thank you for listening and take her easy and stay safe, everybody.